0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening.
1: What do we do? We go back to Andy's. Anyone see an exit? Exit. Exit. Let's get played with. Careful. These toys might be jealous of new arrivals.
2: I want to see! Hey. Oh, ah. It's my turn! Oh. Ah. new voices welcome to sunnyside folks i'm lotso hugging bear but please call me lotso buzz Lightyear. We you we coming first thing you gotta know about me i'm a hugger oh look at you all you've been through a lot today haven't
1: you oh it's been horrible
2: well you're safe now we're all castoffs here. We've been dumped, donated, yard sales, second-handed, and just plain thrown out. But just you wait. You'll find being donated was the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> Mr. Lotso, do toys here get played with every day? All day long, five days a week. But what happens when the kids grow up? Well, now I'll tell you. When the kids get old, new ones come in. When they get old, new ones replace them. You'll never be outgrown or neglected, never abandoned or forgotten. No owners means no heartbreak. Yeah!
1: It's a miracle. And
2: you wanted us to stay at Andy's. Because we're Andy's toys. So you got donated by this Andy, huh? Well, it's his law, Sheriff. He can't hurt you no more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now no, let's no, no, get you, know. you all settled in. Ken, oh, where he hissed that?
0: I am I am Nate. I've obviously introduced myself here in Dover, but as a church we are having services today in Milton, Bethlehem, and Plymouth in addition to Dover. And I'm glad that you guys are here and that we get a chance to jump in on the villains series and in this series, for the next few weeks, we'll be taking a villain from the movies and a villain from Scripture and talking through those things. Now, before I, because if you've never seen the movie, it was like, who's the villain in the, in that clip? Um, so before I have the, before I talk about that, I, a couple weeks ago, 14 days ago exactly, I asked the church to join together in 21 days of prayer and just wanted to, uh, just in the back, there's Right here in the front, there's room, and uh, in these two seats as well, there's room, so if you guys don't mind, just scoot into the middle tier just a little bit to help clear some seats. We We have an opportunity before us and before our church, and we're praying over these 21 days for God to direct us, for God to give us favor, and for God to provide for us, and I told you that I'll share new information as I have new information to share. I don't have any new information to share um, other than we're still praying, and God's directing us, and so we're not sure whether it's a, an open door or a closed door yet at this point, but continue to pray, and, and I'll update you every week as I'm here and uh, have that opportunity to do that. So listen, this week, I just ask you to keep praying. So we've got another seven days of this 21 days of prayer. Keep praying, pray. One, one thing to focus on, I would say that we focus on unity this week, that as a, as a church body, as a church leadership team, that we would be united, because the enemy always is wanting to get in and disrupt us and distract us and, and have people offended at each other. And we wanna make sure that we're moving always as a unit, as one church across four locations. Now listen, if you watch this clip and you're not familiar with the movie, the villain in Toy Story 3 is that cuddly purple bear, Lotso Huggin Bear. And he doesn't seem like a villain, especially in this clip. It doesn't seem like a villain. The the traits, the character traits about Lotso were that he loved to hug. I mean, who, honestly, kind of sounds like a villain, but he loved to hug. (laughs) He was charming and charismatic, and then to just top it all off, he smelled like strawberries. And so everybody, you just look at him, you trust him in the movie, in this clip, you trust him. And the person that we're talking about from the Bible this week Kind of the same thing. At first glance and in our first interactions with him, he doesn't seem like a villain. And the person we're talking about today is Saul from the Old Testament, Saul, the first king of Israel. Now, when Saul first appears in scripture, what happens is he's described as being the most handsome man in Israel. So he just from the out, he doesn't look Like Cruella De Vil, he doesn't look like um, uh, Two Face from Batman. I mean, he he looks like the superhero. It also says that he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So he was the person you'd look at to be, yeah, our first king. He's going to be the one who rescues us. He's the one to lead us. And initially. He begins and and leads it in a good manner. But both Lotso and King Saul, as we understand their stories and as we learn more about them, they would both be defined by bitterness, by betrayal, and paranoia.
1: I was there when Lotso got unwrapped. Daisy loved us all. Lotso, Lotso was special. They did everything together. You never seen a kid and a toy more in love. One day we took a drive, hit a rest stop, had a little playtime. After lunch, Daisy fell asleep. Something changed that day inside Lotso. Something snapped. She replaced us. Come on.
2: No, she only replaced you. She replaced all of us, didn't she? (coughs) She don't love you no more.
1: (coughs) Now come on! (coughs) We were lost. Cast off. Unloved. Unwanted. Then we found Sunnyside.
0: Lotso was lost, and Saul he lost touch. Both were were replaced, in in, in different ways and dis- different circumstances. But when Saul was anointed to be king, he was told by god after after a number of indiscretions that he was going to be replaced by another king and when this word came to Saul he went from being disobedient to God to being filled with rage. It began with an unauthorized uh, sacrificial offering, so he was making an offering that he that he, that he didn 't have permission to he then direct uh, he disobeyed a direct order from God where God said, you're going to go into this territory, you're going to win this territory, and you're going to leave nothing in this territory. But Saul spared the life of King Agag along with other things that he wanted to keep. He then, when he was confronted about this by, by Samuel, he lied to Samuel, and in essence, he lied to God. And this disobedience was the last as God through Samuel when he confronted of this and Saul lied again, God decides that he is going to take his anointing and his spirit from him and place it on another person to be king. Saul's story is progressing and his, his mistakes are getting bigger. The stakes are getting higher and throughout all of that, he never is able to admit that he's done anything wrong. And even when it's directly in him, he always, has, uh, he always has a good reason. He always has an excuse. He always has someone else to blame. And never he never owns up to what he's done wrong. And this break between God and Saul, it is and can be seen as one of the saddest occurrences in scripture. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 14, we read about this. And it says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. God then anoints David, the forgotten son, the shepherd boy, as the king. And David, as you study the life of David he has all of the attributes of Woody and Buzz. He is loyal and he's brave, most specifically. And Saul now, as part of this story and in the, in the, the intertwining of these two men, because Saul has been told he's no longer to be king, but yet he's, ta- he's still taking control of the throne. So he's not stepping down with this news, but rather he's continuing to serve as king even though God has told him he's no longer king. And in this torment, in this spiritual attack, in this psychosis, in this, uh, in this torment, his advisors tell him, hey, you need some help. And they recommend that he bring in a musician to play worship music when he's going through these moments of difficulty. And they recommend that future king. They recommend that forgotten son. And though Saul doesn't know it, he brings into his throne room and into his palace the one who's been anointed to replace him as king. Saul doesn't know it, and David doesn't act like it. Which is another big difference between the two of them. David knows he is serving the one he's going to replace. But yet in his heart, he never tries to subvert the authority Saul has. He's never tried to position or posture himself to take over. He is truly living an open-handed life and saying, God, in your timing, in your way, No matter what difficulties happen, no matter how long it takes, I'm here as your vessel. Use use me, appoint me, place me wherever you need me. What happens is, and we can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, so they called for David and David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. There was nothing magical about the music here, but it was the way that David lived in the presence of God. And one thing to always note because Every single one of us, we've got different struggles in our life and some of you may be going through some very dark things. The presence of God and the light of God causes all darkness to flee. Always. No matter matter what you feel has been assigned against you, the presence of God always, if you'll let it, will cause darkness to flee. So here now, The future king begins serving the lame duck king, the king that has no future uh, heritage, no the king that has no future, the king that really at this point has no right to the throne. The future king, the anointed king, the new king is serving him, and he didn't just and, and and he served him well. He served him with distinction. And Saul has this chance, again, another chance, for it to not be about him, for him to honor and be obedient to God, to let go of his throne and install a new king. Instead, he became paranoid. And he began to, you know, we just read he, where he loved David, he began to be jealous of David. He began to be fearful of David. And he began to rage against David. One of the famous parts of this story in the scripture that you may be familiar with, the crowds, because after David killed Goliath, David became a mighty general for Saul. And the crowds begin to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands they begin to sing about this and David begin to hear this and as the crowds would sing Saul would spiral into greater darkness Woody look
1: I can see daylight we're gonna be okay
2: (laughs) I don't think that's daylight
0: Lotso betrays these toys that have trusted him, begin to trust him again, and they know who he is, and they know how he's treated them, but still they they trust him again. They help him, and he betrays them, and Saul betrays uh, Samuel, the the prophet who at first anointed him, and Saul betrays David, the, the, the future king, who never tried to overtake his throne, who never tried to cause an uprising against him, who served him and served him well, Saul betrays him. When Saul realizes that God is with David, he sought to kill David at every opportunity. And David succeeded in evading countless attempts uh, uh, on his life. He had the help of Jonathan, Saul's son. He had the help of Michal, Saul's daughter. But for 10 years, one decade, David fled for his life, hiding in caves, hiding in the mountains, not staying in one place too long. Because Saul was bloodthirsty. I will kill this person whose God has chosen to replace me. The life of King Saul serves as a mirror for us. To uncover our own faults, to look and evaluate our own life. And we have an opportunity when we've disobeyed God to act differently than Saul did. What we can do is confess our faults, confess our sins, and make changes in our life. We call this repentance. We Every single one of us have the opportunity to do that, and as we look at the life of us all, just two things for you to look at in your own life, two things for you to do or continue to do or to do differently, the first thing is to obey Jesus and to seek to do his will, to put your trust in him, to believe in him, to live the life of He's called you to live, and some of you, again, if you don't know him, it's all brand new. We want you to meet him, to to meet him and know him as Savior and as God. For those of you who do know him, I think oftentimes we recognize that there's something that we're hiding. There's a way that we're living that is not honoring God, that is not obedient to God, and too often we chase that disobedience to our own destruction, to our own personal loss, instead of being quick to repent, quick to confess, quick to turn away from our sin. Recognize if there's an area in your life where you're not honoring God to say, I'm going to honor him first. I'm going to trust him first. Saul, he had the perfect opportunity to be the benchmark by which all future kings could be measured. He was anointed as king. God said, you're not king anymore. And he could have just stepped off. I'm sorry. God, I've failed you. I've I've sinned against you. I understand. And to step out of the way and to let God continue on with God's people. But he didn't do that, obviously. We think about it in our own country uh, our, our first president George Washington, and if you, we may not, it's possible you're not too familiar with the story. But what George Washington did, despite all of his military, uh, the way he survived military battle after military battle, as he was always at the front lines uh, on his horse, always leading the charge, and, and lived through it all. The, the most amazing thing about him is that when he became president, he served one term. And he served a second term, but at the time that he was president, there was no limitation on how long he could serve. And the expectation was that he would continue to serve. But when George Washington decided after his second term, I'm no longer going to serve as president, no, nobody was asking him to stop serving. Everybody wanted him to keep serving, and, but he knew That in order for our government not to function like the monarchies of past, that he needed to set the benchmark, set the standard by which all other future presidents would be judged. And And he willingly gave up power, willingly gave up power. Saul, the other other parts of his life that we think, I don't understand what the big deal is, but one of the things that happened, I mentioned earlier, is that God commanded Saul to kill King Agag, and Saul didn't. Well, fast forward in history, there's another book of the Bible that you may have heard of, the book of Esther, and there's a villain in there that we'll be talking about, I think next week, but the villain of Haman, he was a descendant of King Agag. And so there's one person coming, leader of the Amalekites, coming against God's people. When Saul disobeyed, now generations later, here rises up another person trying to kill and wipe out God's people. One of the things when we're recognizing, when we're thinking about being obedient to God and we're thinking about honoring God in our life, one of the things we don't think about is like, it's my sin, no problem not hurting anybody else, it's my choice, it's my life. It's... It's, a, it's just for me, we, we are not thinking about how that's even affecting generations. But beyond sin, I want you to think about a godly life. God is giving you an opportunity to change your family tree. God's giving you an opportunity not for the enemy to continue generation after generation to bring destruction to, to you and your family but for you now to honor God and to live under God's protection and for your kids and your grandkids that they don't have to fight the fights that you fought and that you battled and that you beat that were passed down from you. Abuse, addiction, infidelity, just to name a couple. You can break that through obedience to God. We have these things in our life that are God-ordained, but then we make them man-profaned. Saul was ordained by God to be king, but then he profaned that assignment. When we're thinking about, again, obedience to God, we're always thinking it from a negative thing that God's taking from us, God's stealing from us, and, and, and God's controlling us instead of realizing the blessings... And the generational blessings that he's trying to set up for it. Things of marriage, things in your business, ministry, positions, parenthood, dating, relationships, sexuality, and church. That there are blessings tied to obedience that he's trying to set up and offer for us. The second lesson we learned the first is obey God and and seek to do his will. Obey God and, and follow him. The second thing here is we learn not to misuse the power given to us. And there's a power that each of us have. And some of us are in top levels of leadership, and you have ability to affect a lot of people's lives. Some of you, you're one of the leaders in your family. You have an ability to affect a lot of lives even as just a leader within your family. There's no question that King Saul abused the power that God had given him. And we look back to the movie we watched, Lotso. With all of the giftings he had, we can think on the flip side of the culture he could have brought to Sunnyside. And one of the parts of the movie that we didn't discuss, but uh, after the initial clip where Lotso is smiling and friendly, and he brings all the new toys into the toddler room, which is essentially the torture room. All right, because they're they're ripping you apart, they're drooling, and, and so it's the destruction room. He instead of he could have created an environment to protect the toys from the toddlers to even match up these toys. To future kids and sneak them in their backpacks to go homes and have new families. He could have used his skill and his leadership for good, but instead he used it again because of his, the, because of the life experiences he had, it turned into rage, turned into mistrust, turned into paranoia. There is a way that God wants us to lead. We, if you look and study we won't go through it right now but in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 2 through 10 there's there's a call there for leadership there's an example there of leadership and i just want you to think in your workplace in your family as you lead your marriage men are you more like lotso or more like woody and buzz Are you are you full of rage and anger and, and paranoia and mistrust and or are you forgiving and kind and gentle and loyal in your family if you're a workplace manager what is the culture that you're creating what is the experience that you're allowing others to have as you're there and whatever role you're in, whatever your position you're in, to being able to live that with an open-handed life, and say, "God, when you need to take this title from me, God, when you need to take this comfort from me, God, when you need to take this um, leadership from me, and place it and place that mantle on somewhere else, I will let you do it. I won't hold on to it and begin to fight others to hold on to it." For every single one of us in here. Right before I pray, here's, here's the thing. You can even close your eyes now. You just begin to think about God. Honor God with your whole heart. Honor him with your whole heart. We recognize and know that it doesn't matter how charismatic you are, how good-looking you are, how, uh, how warm you are to other people, It is what is within your heart that will leave and determine the legacy of your life. Honor God with your whole heart and allow that to pour out to you honoring him with your whole life. For those of you who've never put your trust in Jesus, you've never believed in Jesus before, it is possible that... Even as I've, we've been talking about Toy Story 3 this morning, you've been feeling something going on inside of you, and you're not entirely sure what it means. Here's what it means. God is calling you. He wants you. You don't have all the answers right now. It's too hard to even understand it all right now. But there's something within you saying, I want to give God my whole heart. And if that's you, I mean, that's amazing and you have a chance to respond toward God like David did, or a chance to reject God and say, God, I don't want to give you my whole heart. I like my life and I want to live it my own way. But if you're feeling God sensing, he's pulling you, he wants you, then where you're, when, where you're seated or even after at the Fair Food Sunday, you can talk with one of our, one of our leaders or with the friend who brought you and say, I, I want to do that. I want to give God my whole heart, I want to give him my life. You can pray this at your seat, you can pray it with your friend while you're eating fried Oreos, or you can pray this later, but you just, in your own words, say, God, I'm giving you my heart and I'm giving you my life. I ask you to forgive me and to change me and to be my savior and my God. Someone told my, my wife, Michelle, recently, they had given their life to Jesus and they said, when I prayed that, when I prayed to God to give him my life, it felt like such a weight came off of me and I just, I wanna invite you to do that and if you made a decision to do that today and you still have a connection card at your seat, if you write your name on it, an email or, or a phone number we can text you at and just check that box in the bottom, I've decided to follow Jesus. Check that box in the bottom and put that in the offering boxes is at the back of the auditorium. Um, one of our pastors will reach out to you this week because we want we want to celebrate with you. It's amazing that you have made this decision to follow Jesus. Well, let me pray for you, Jesus. We don't want to be like Saul. And like Lotso the Bear, we're on the, out, on the outside and the exterior places of our life. It looks like we have it all together. But within us, God, there's hurt, there's brokenness, there's um, the spiritual things going on, there's dark things in our life, there's sins in our life, there's lying in our life. We just ask you, every single one of us, God, bring a complete deliverance in our life. That we won't be holding on to things from our past. We won't be holding on to things that you're trying to 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 to, to take from us. But we'd fully trust you. And we'd fully trust you with the outcomes in our life. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. And before we go outside and and eat, we just pray, God, that you'd be blessed as we feast today. You'd be blessed as we laugh and hang out today. And for those, may we all just recognize that 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 this service and the time after this service, it is a picture of your kingdom, of friendship, of joy, of of, of fellowship, of feasting, that serving you and following you now and for eternity is going to be much more fun and much more enjoyable than we ever previously thought. Jesus, may you be glorified today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.